Father's Day. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the light of Christ, and uh, if your story is anything like mine, then you would admit uh, that maybe uh, the best way that you've experienced the love and uh, the adoration, the affection of Christ, uh, the most tangible, sacrificial love that you've experienced, um, I know that's true for me. Uh, in all honesty, I'm trying not to make eye contact with her right now because she's in the room. And uh, mom, I would not be up here if it weren't for you today. Um, I've been super encouraged by your faith and perseverance. Uh, and I know that's true for a lot of us that our mothers are here. So take some time to thank your mom today. Uh, I love you, mom. Uh, if you guys want to thank your mom, you have to start a church and be able to do that yourself. My time. So uh, I also want to thank my wife. Uh, Mother's Day has been uh, super fun this morning for us. I was trying to get Ava to say Happy Mother's Day all morning, and uh, she uh, she just said Mama. She just kept saying Mama over and over again. Um, but all the dads agree that um, you know our kids, uh, their success has a lot more to do with. That's true for us. So uh, to my wife, a Happy Mother's Day. Um, Something that we say a lot here at City Light is prayer is the work, and I just want to take a moment and um, give God the praise and the adoration and the glory that he is due. You guys have been praying. Uh, this past week, AJ and Henna uh, sent a text, and it was a picture of their little boy, Isaiah. He is doing well, and he is home. Uh, and so we just want to give God praise for that. Uh, we want to thank him for that, and I, I think there's a picture on the screen. Uh, and this isn't something that we just say, it's real. And when, uh, man, when we first got the news, Isaiah, uh, time just started to move real uh, It started to move slow, and we started to begin to pray and ask God to do what only because uh, he is the alpha and the omega. Um, he is the ultimate physician, and uh, we trust him for that. So today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, if this is your first time here and you don't have one already, we have these scripture journals. You can put your hand in the air and we'll get you a scripture journal. Uh, that's our gift to you. Uh, just put your hand in the air. Somebody will bring one to you. Uh, you can put your name in it and write in it and take notes. The title of today's message is Supernatural Light. Supernatural Light. We're going to see here in a second that the Apostle Paul, he's trying to further build upon his argument for uh, unity in the local church, for unity at the local level of a gathering of believers. Uh, and he points to the reality that uh, we as a body of believers, we come together in gospel mission that we as a church have the ability to affect the world around us. And Paul says in verse 15, he says, you shine as lights in the world. You shine as lights in the world. Uh, it was directed to the group as a whole, and he's not talking to one specific individual, he's talking to the whole church of Philippi. Uh, and this morning, we're going to apply uh, that same principle to our lives today. Uh, so supernatural light, that's our aim. Like, how do we live out supernatural light? How do, we, how do we get from point A, where we're at right now, to point B, supernatural light, of being fully on gospel mission in action for the Lord? Uh, and Paul is not bringing up a new concept, right? He's not repeating, um, or he's not, he's not bringing out new revelation. Rather, he's repeating a truth that the Bible screams. It just shouts it from Genesis to Revelation that, that this idea of God being light. Uh, and so I just want to take you through a little bit of scripture. So um, if you look at the screen, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. 
and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So it's pretty true that we just kind of take light for granted. We don't really think about it unless it's dark, right? Uh, We just kind of just live without ever acknowledging the fact that light is essential for life itself, that we wouldn't be able to do anything if it wasn't for light. And in the scriptures, we often get references to light as natural light, like what we just read in Genesis, but uh, more common than not, the Bible many times, it uses light both uh, spiritually and metaphorically. Uh, And just to name a few, uh, natural light phenomena in the Bible. Light's used to describe the glory of God in the dwelling place in 1 Timothy. It's used to describe the nature of God, 1 John 1, 5, or the impartiality of God, how he's pure and his righteousness and his justice is like the highest form of righteousness and justice. We get that from Josiah. And then Jesus in John's gospel, he tells us this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's John 8, 12. In Psalm 44, this is talking about the Israelites. For their own sword, they did not possess the land. And their own arm, they did not save them. But your right hand, your arm, and the light of your presence, for you favored them. That God's light is described in that passage as bringing the Israelites into the promised land. 1 John 1, 5, this is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. It's speaking to the purity of God, to the holiness of God, that, that in him there is nothing defiled at all, that his standard of holiness is so high and so great, and it's so different than anything you and I experience in this world. And I just think about, like, I think about all of the, the prophets in the Old Testament that if they encountered the Spirit of God, they, like, hid their face or they would hide. Or I think about Revelation 4, where it describes the, the, the creatures that were surrounding the throne. And, and the text says that day and night, they wouldn't stop saying, holy, holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And over and over again, they would just scream, holy, holy, holy. Who alone has immorality? Who dwells in unapproachable light? His name is Jesus, whom no one has ever seen nor can seem. To him be the honor and the eternal dominion forever and ever. That's 1 Timothy 6.16. And then, here at City Light Church, We capitalize on the theme of light, don't we? Uh, We're always making jokes about being the light of the world, and we have lighthouses, we have light teams. It's why every person here serves on a lighthouse and a light team. It's why our mission statement is our passion is to shine the light of Christ in dark and hard places. We say often here that light was made for darkness, so it makes sense. Like, why would you put a flashlight in the middle of a bright room? It just doesn't make sense. No, the light of the world is made for dark places. And, and we bank on that. City Light, that name was, wasn't just something that we thought was like, you know, it sounded good for a 2021 church. No, it's all over the Bible that God is light. And then I hope to show you this morning that as we look at the text, that Jesus, the light of Jesus, this supernatural light, Uh, It's just essential for us to live out our mission. 
Uh, so before we get into the text, verses uh, 12 through 30 are what we're going to talk about. And Paul gives us, he gives us like three things that we're going to do. Uh, he gives us three actions, if you will, or action statements. Uh, he tells them in verse 12 to work out your salvation. And then in verse 14, he says, don't grumble and don't argue. Or your, your translation might say dispute, but it means argue. Uh, and then uh, the, la- the last action that he gives us is a little different. It's in verse 29. He says, receive Aphroditus with all joy and honor men like him. So the, so the three calls to action that we see in the passage, don't, don't, uh, work out your salvation, don't grumble, and receive men who have given their life for the sake of the gospel, receive them with honor. Now, uh, rather than just like focusing on all the actions this morning, um, my hope is to encourage you that what helps us get there is, is everything that Paul writes in the in-between. That, that in this passage, um, that, that we're going to really focus on, on the in-between, not the action itself, but how it's all made manifest, like how it's all brought about, like what's happening spiritually. In other words, um, as one of the pastors here at City Light, I could simply get up here and say, hey, stop grumbling and arguing. Stop doing that. Shouldn't do that. Grumbling and arguing is really bad. It's not a good thing to do. Also, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And if I just did that, I don't think I would be helping you a whole lot. Um, Those are the right things to do. But what Paul says in the in-between, I really believe will encourage us all to be the right of the world. So um, just to get you up to speed, last week we saw that Jesus Christ, the creator and maker of heaven and earth, the alpha and the omega, Paul says here in the verses, uh, verse 9, the name that is above every name, how Jesus, God himself, incarnate, he demonstrated his love in the most humble and humiliating way by being found in the form of man. By being found in human form, we learn that Jesus experienced everything this world could throw at him, whether it was homelessness, hunger, heartbreak. Jesus went through it all. Yet the Bible is very clear that he lived a life that was sinless, and yet he suffered a sinner's death. And with that death, he provided the forgiveness of sins. He defeated death on the cross by resurrecting from the grave so that all who by faith call upon his name, the name of Jesus, that all of us who believe in that powerful, powerful name, we just sang about it, there is no other name. He is so worthy that we would be saved when we call upon his name. This is the gospel. This is the gospel, and it's so good, and we need to get as many different angles of the gospel as we possibly can, and I think Paul's gonna give us one this morning. Uh, So uh, in light of the gospel, it's considering the realities of the gospel that Paul says, therefore, in verse 12. So follow along with me. This is what the Bible says, beginning in verse 12. He says, therefore, my beloved, or in other words, so then, like in light of the gospel, so then my beloved, or church, or church in Philippi, so then my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of the crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life that is in the day of Christ, I may be poured out that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Verse 17, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoicing with you all. 
Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. And then he transitions into this, uh, this section about uh, the two workers that he's, that he's been around. Uh, verse 19, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know, Timothy, proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me with me in the gospel. And I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. So Paul's in prison, and, and he's trying to figure out whether he's going to make it out alive. And, and he's saying, Timothy's the best I got. He, he's the best hope you've got. There's no one more faithful, and I, I, I can't wait to send him to you. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Aphrodite, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. So the church of Philippi sent Aphrodite to Paul to help him, but when Aphrodite got there, he got sick. And, he, and, and, and you'll see here in a second that he got sick to the point of death. For he has been longing for you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So, so the church is concerned for his well-being. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God will have mercy on him. Or, I'm sorry, God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again. And then I may be less anxious. So receive him with the Lord with all joy and honor such men like him. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Will you guys pray with me? Uh, Lord, I just pray right now that your word would speak with clarity and power. Lord, uh, your church is gathered this morning, and we need wisdom from on high. We need discernment. I pray this morning that as we read your word all across this room, that by the power of your spirit, we would be encouraged, inspired, and those of us who need it would be convicted, and that you would do as you see fit in our hearts and lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so God does supernatural work in our actions, our affections, and our appreciation of him. You can write that down. That's our working sentence for this entire passage. God does supernatural work in our actions, our affection, and our appreciation of him. And this is a statement uh, that I really think will help you live this out. And so uh, we get three ingredients for supernatural light. Or if you want to think about it as like a math equation, it's going to be supernatural action, uh, we see that in verses 12, 13, and 14. Supernatural affection, that's verse 13 mainly. And then supernatural appreciation. I was trying to nail down exactly where that was at, but really it's just like the whole passage. The whole passage is supernatural appreciation. Uh, and so uh, those are the three ingredients, okay? But starting with supernatural action, looking back at verse 12 and 13, he says, Therefore, my beloved, you have always obeyed, and so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Paul's, Paul's been gone, and when he was there, their obedience was good. And he's saying, hey, just because I'm not there, press on. Keep doing well. The Philippian church was an affluent church. They were in like a Roman providence. They had money. Uh, things were going well for them. And Paul was not writing to rebuke them or correct them. No, he was writing to say, press on. He was writing to say, keep going. And I think for us, this is so applicable at City Light Church because things are going well here. Like, sure, I, like looking across the room, I know that some of you guys have like some personal struggles. Some of you guys are like um, suffering this morning. 
Like today wasn't an easy day to roll out of bed. But, but for the most part, the spirit of the living God is at work in this church, and we have so much to celebrate. And like Paul would say to the Philippian church, I too would say, hey, press on, because perhaps the most dangerous thing for us when things are going well is for us to just settle into everything just being normative and us getting like comfortable or us getting, just getting like content with like how things are going. And, and, and that's not what we're supposed to do. Paul says, no. In my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, so Paul tells the believers that they are to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. And we see, we see that word work three times between verses 12 and 13. It's this reality of like effort or like exertion. Uh, it's, it's the first call to action, as we talked about. Now, it's important to know that Paul, he was not concerned, in verse 12, with an individual like condition of the soul. This was not a, a, a salvific issue. Um, we know that that's true. Uh, Paul believes that their salvation, if it's in Jesus, is fully intact, that, that they truly are saved. He's not saying work for your salvation. He's saying work out your salvation. Uh, and, we, and we know from other passages that Paul's right. I think of Ephesians 2, uh, 8, and 10, that no amount of human effort or human work will lead to salvation, but it's by faith in Jesus alone that, that we shall be saved. And Paul is not concerned for their salvation. Rather, he's confident of it. He's confident of it. Just a few chapters ago, or a few verses ago, in chapter 1, uh, in verse 6, he says, I am sure of this. So he's confident. I am sure of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 1.6. But this phrase, work out your salvation, um, you know, the Catholic Church has, um, has used this to justify human effort to achieve salvation. And, and that's, we would just say that's not true at all. Like that, that the doctrine of justification is that by, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, that it's nothing that we can do. Uh, but this phrase, it simply means uh, that, that we're supposed to act like we're saved, that we're supposed to live like Christians. That's essentially what he's saying, is, is act like you've been saved. He's saying, let the work of the gospel be consistent with what Christ has done for you. And, and I'm going to try to talk about 12 for a little bit and then, and then talk about 13, but really they're, they're so intertwined that, it, that it's hard to separate them, but I'm going to do my best, so just, just follow along with me, bear with me. Uh, he tells us that we are in this partnership for the gospel, and it's an active partnership that involves work or involves action. And I just want to give you a few other examples of how the New Testament authors, how they referenced believers. And this is supernatural action, okay? So uh, just, this is a couple verses. Matthew nine thirty eight. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers in the harvest. See workers, Luke 10, 2. And he was saying to them that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord on the harvest that he would send out laborers into his harvest. You see the action? Matthew 21. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And then uh, 2 Timothy 2, 15. Be diligent to present yourselves. So this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be diligent, action, to present ourselves as approved workmen to God who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth, that, that we are to work. And, and um, 
Many of you know that my role here at City Light, I'm super privileged to have this role. I love it, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, that I have the privilege of working alongside some of our interns. Uh, and when I'm recruiting interns, like if I'm at Liberty University or somewhere else recruiting interns, and I'm trying to tell them what we're about to do with their lives and invite them into the gospel mission here at City Light, I always make this like real intentional point to like look potential intern, 21-year-old something or 19-year-old something, like right in the eye, and I say, hey, man, like, or, or if it's a female, I just say, hey, you know, like, uh, <laughs> like uh, I think that ministry looks like really, really, really hard work. That's what I believe, that, that being a minister of the gospel is really hard work. And I always get this like head nod or like, like kind of like a yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like of course, like yeah, yeah, it is hard work. But I have to wonder, like I, I really have to wonder if we collectively as the church see one of our primary roles or our titles as like worker or like co-laborer See, like, in Romans chapter 16, Paul mentions seven separate names, and he doesn't call them believers, he doesn't call them Christians. What he says is that they're fellow workers for the Lord, fellow workers in the gospel. It's the same language he uses in chapter two in the beginning. He says that we're in partnership for the gospel, and he's consistent. It's consistent with the rest of scripture that this idea of gospel action is everywhere in the Bible. It's in verse 12, it's in verse 13, and the action is for the church of Philippi that they would work out their salvation. Just notice the, uh, the flow of the argument in the chapter. Uh, so we have to look back a little bit to see this flow of argument. We see the humility of Christ at the beginning of the chapter. Uh, Nate preached on this last week, that Christ Jesus humbled himself to the point of death. Then in verse 9, therefore, in light of that, in light of the humility of Christ, him humbling himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. So Jesus has been lifted up. And because Jesus has been exalted, Pastor Nate explained this last week. It was so good. Go back and watch that message if you missed it. He said that what goes down must come up. And you and I, as we embrace this obedient title of worker, as we take on this mantle of, of partnership in the gospel, that I actually have to put real effort and energy and actually take action for the mission of God. As I embrace that and I go low, that we too will be raised up and we will be exalted with Christ. This is the promise of Ephesians too. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he's raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Listen, church, some of you, some of you in here, actually I would probably say the majority of in here, uh, you call City Light home. And like the Apostle Paul, uh, in this passage, I am so proud like, I am oozing with proud and with joy. Like, I don't, you don't have to convince me to talk about our church. I, like, I don't have to, no one has to prod me to do that. I am so thrilled to be a part of this church, to see the gospel work that you guys have done, to see you step out in faith that we as a church, that as we are committed to working in such a way that a lost community, false church, or a lost city, D.C., or a lost world would see the light of Christ. And this is all Paul's saying. Is he saying, Christ has worked in me so that my work should be a byproduct of the evidence of the work that he's done inside of me? In other words, work it out. Work it out. 
live your life in such a way that your salvation is made manifest. Paul is so great, though. He doesn't just, like, he doesn't just give us the, the verse 12, like, work out your salvation. That's what you should do. No, he, he tells us why. And so uh, if, you're, if you're writing or taking notes, or maybe you could uh, take notes for your neighbor, like reach over to the journal next to you and circle the word for, okay? Um, so circle four, uh, this, is, this is the reason, or it could be like because, uh, this is supernatural affection, okay? This is supernatural affection. It's our next point. For, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You just, you gotta understand this, like, like, this is massive. This is so massive. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Like, I really, really hope you understand what this means. Like, all the implications that it means. Like, all, all of the, thing, the, the joy that comes with this. The, 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 the rest that comes with this. The passion that comes with this. Listen, I just have to believe I, we're in America, and like Christianity in America is pretty cliche, and, and I got to believe that there's some people in the room this morning that, that you're not new to going to church. In fact, you're like, you're a veteran. If we, were, if we were to tally up all the Wednesday nights and the Sunday nights that you have in church, like you are a veteran. Like you, could, you should win an award for how often you are in church, and, and you've had, your Christian activity, it's like miles wide. Like you're just, you're, all, you're always in Bible studies, you're always doing things, you have verses memorized, like you are constantly in action for God, or seemingly for God. And, and if I were to even talk to the people in your life, uh, and I were to ask them, they would testify to the work that is in your life, that you are seemingly working out your salvation now listen, I'm, I'm trying to like single out a select few in the room this morning. That, that there are select few in the room this morning and you, and you call yourself a Christian and on the outside you're trying to work out something but the truth is, at the end of the day, you're trying to work out something that God has never worked in. You know, the Bible calls that Legalism that you've made yourself a slave. Because the work that you're attempting to do for God, it's like, it's in your own effort, it's in your own energy, you're, you're just trying to do it all in your own strength, in your own power, and, and it's enslaved you, and you're exhausted, and you're tired, and you've just, you've labeled yourself long. And for the sake of your own soul, listen, I, I, I wish that for the sake of your own soul, you would just, you would label yourself correctly, like unbeliever. Like, I don't know why you'd want to pretend anyway. Like, why would you want to pretend? Like, why would you want to, like, bring that slavery into your own life? Like, at least if you're honest, at least if you're honest with where you're at, that there are doubts that you, that you just really don't know, at least if you're honest, you can begin to wrestle. And then you can begin to ask real questions, like, do I really believe in Jesus? Do I really love him? Is he real? Do I really trust him? These are good questions to ask, but if you, if you just keep pretending, you can't ask those questions. 
You're just going to continue to live a life absent from joy, absent from peace, and absent from the appreciation that's available to all of us in the room this morning that genuinely believe in God and call Jesus Lord, that we do have joy and that we do have peace and that we do have an assurance that God on high has done a work inside of us and that our work for him isn't enslavement. No, it's simply the byproduct of what he's already done. It's the byproduct of what he's done. And, and there's, this, there's this real sense of supernatural appreciation. So this is our third point. If you're really type A, I'm not going in order. I'm just kind of like bouncing all around. So supernatural appreciation. I'm going to try to show you in the text that this supernatural appreciation, it's, it's, a, it's for what God has done in our lives. And so uh, in verse 13, you see Paul use the, the words good pleasure. Uh, and then in verse 16, he says, hold fast to the word of life so that one day, uh, in the day of Christ, I may be proud. So th- that's another positive emotion. And then in verse 17, he says, I am glad and rejoice. And in 18, he says, we also should be glad and that we should rejoice. In verse 19, he says that he, was, he wants to be cheered by the news of them. And then and lastly, in verse 28 and in verse 29, he says, rejoice and then receive Aphrodite with all joy. That, that these emotions, these affections, these appreciations, they, they are natural to the Christian life. You see, the, the joy, the gladness, and the cheer, or in other words, the appreciation, the supernatural appreciation in the life of a believer, it's not self-manufactured. It's not something that I muster up. No, it's, it's the byproduct of what happens when the God of the living universe does a work inside of your soul. Write this down. So this is true for all three points. Write this down. If there's one thing I want you to leave today, this is it, okay? God does not call us to action without changing our affection. God does not call us to action without changing our affection. Listen, some of you in the room, I'm thinking of like certain friends right now, when I, when I talk about gospel mission or gospel action, thinking of my friend Brendan, like you're just like, how could I not make disciples? Like how could I not read the Bible? How could I not worship God? How could I not be excited about what God has for us? And like that's awesome. Like if that's you and you're, you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling and you're excited and your zeal is like level 100, like you're just always level 100. How are you today? The Lord's alive. Like the tomb is empty. Like you are always ecstatic and you are praising God and that's just where you're at. Like I just want to say to you, we need more of that. Like don't stop. Like we need more of that because the truth is, is that some of us, some of us may come to a place in life or a time in life when you know in your head that Jesus paid it all. And maybe this is you this morning. Maybe that this is just what you needed to hear today, that, that you're in a season of life and you have been working. You genuinely believe in Jesus and you've been trying, you've been trying to honor the Lord, but, but you've been struggling. Like you're struggling to read your Bible. You're struggling to pray. Furthermore, you're, you're struggling to have any sort of joy or passion for him at all, like you're just, you're struggling. Or maybe in the room this morning, you're just like counting the cost. You're on the fence, like you just really don't know about this whole Jesus thing. If you're in here today and you don't know the Lord and you're fearful about surrendering to him and you're thinking like, man, what if I, what if I tell everybody I believe in Jesus but then I screw it up? I say, I say out loud that I'm a believer and then I still struggle with things that Christians shouldn't do. This is just so true for you. This is like, hear this. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work 
for his good pleasure, will and work, God will give you the desire or the affection necessary to be on gospel mission. And we know this to be true. For everyone in the room who calls upon the name of the Lord, we, we are different today because of his power, amen? There was a time where I just, I didn't have any desire for the things of God. There was a time where I absolutely had no desire to work for God, let alone work with the people of God. Are you kidding? Love the church? They're full of hypocrites. Like, there's no way. But, but today I can't imagine my life without the church. Like, I just couldn't. I couldn't function without you guys. So, so when I was in college, um, I'm, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a moment and just trust that this is a safe place, okay? I'm going to testify. I got a 1.6 GPA my first semester at Liberty University. Um, so uh, it's okay. God's still alive. Uh, uh, mom, mom, I'm sorry for not ever telling you that. Um, I was put on academic probation. Uh, and uh, this began a season in my life when I was depressed. I was angry. Uh, there was a decent amount of anxiety in my life at that time. And um, I, I remember talking to my RA, Matt. He came into my dorm one evening, and I was complaining to him. And I said something to the effect of, Matt, I'm just like, I'm not a good student. I'm just not. I've never been a good student. I'm not a good student. And uh, the truth is, is there were like a million and one reasons for why I failed that semester, whether it was like personal issues, family issues. Uh, my girlfriend, wife at now, but girlfriend at the time, she was back in Luray, and I was in Lynchburg. I was distracted. I had high-speed internet for the first time, like, I had, I had no concept of time as a freshman in college. I just didn't, like, I was trying to manage my life and be an adult. It was just, it was a hot mess. And, uh, not, and then there were just all these distractions on campus and all these different things to do. And I just remember that evening Matt saying to me, like, Taylor, how long are you going to accept that you're not a good student? He said, Taylor, I hear you saying that um, you don't enjoy learning but at the same time, I hear you saying that God's calling you to be a pastor. And he just looked at me, and he was like, you do realize, like, pastors have to study, like, all of their lives, like, all the time. Like, you just, you're going to be committed to a lifetime of learning. And then Matt challenged me. He said, uh, here's what I want you to do. He said, he said, for the next 30 days, I want you to start praying that God would give you a desire to learn. Uh, and, and to be honest, like, that conversation with Matt, it really changed a lot for me. I remember him leaving my dorm room that night, and I was just, like, angry. I was, like, rolling my eyes, like, like I'm just going to pray. And, like, poof, like, I'm going to pray, and I'll be a good student, like, that, as if. Like, as if that's going to happen. But then I began to pray. And I began to say, Lord, I believe that you called me to this school for a purpose. And, God, I hate, I hate learning. In fact, I hate reading. I hate reading. I'm not, I'm not a reader. Um, change me, Lord. Like, I need help. I need you to change me. And you know, what Matt was saying to me, he was saying, Taylor, work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. Or basically, it's what Peter writes. It's on the screen. Second uh, Peter uh, 1, verses 5 through 7, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, the, the, first, time, the first time I prayed that prayer, 
Nothing magical happened. It wasn't like I had this huge res- revelation or anything, but, but I kept praying. Like, I kept praying. And I, and I had to add some knowledge. Like, I had to really, really practice self-control. And I had to persevere. And I'm telling you, um, like, in prayer before the Lord, God did something much greater than just give me a heart for learning. Like, he did that. Like, he, he put... He put all these passions, all these desires, conviction inside of my heart that I could not manufacture for myself. And and he did so in such a way that it didn't just move me into action for his glory, but but I do so and I enjoy it and I love it and it makes me happy and like I can't stop. And it's not something that I have to like, ugh. It's something that comes natural, it's a privilege. Listen, you could ask my wife today, like, you could find me in the middle of the week, like, watching some random YouTube video about, like, monkeys in Antarctica, and it has, like, nothing to do with anything, and it's just these random facts because, like, today I nerd out on information because, like, why not? And, and I equate it back to God changing my affections, him doing a work inside of me. And this is so true for you today. It's so true for you, wherever you're at with the Lord. The same God that saved you and gave you a love from him is the same God who will give you both the will and the ability to work for his kingdom. God does not call you to action without changing your affection. He doesn't do it. Ezekiel 36, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a spirit within you. And I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you, you see that? To walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Listen, church, uh, his work inside of us, it's supernatural. This is Paul's point. He's trying to show the church in Philippi that if they can conquer their own disagreements and they cannot argue but they can rely on the spirit of God to continue to work in them, that they're going to show the light of Christ, even in a crooked and twisted generation, that the light of Christ will shine so supernaturally. It's supernatural in our actions, it's supernatural in our affections, and in our appreciation. And maybe this morning you're listening and you're just, uh, you're acknowledging that you don't want to. Like, if you're being really, really honest, and, and I'll admit, even as a pastor, there's days where I wake up and I'm just like, Lord, Lord, help me. Like, I just don't want to. And, and it's like you're stuck. I just want to encourage you. This is so true for us. This truth gives us confidence that the God on high, the maker of heaven and earth, that his desire is to both motivate and enable us. And as we seek him as a body, we do so in humility, following in Christ's footsteps. And the lost world around us will see supernatural light. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray, and I want you to respond. Our prayer team will be down front. uh, But some of you need to pray. Some of you need to stand up out of your seats, walk down front, and pray. And allow God to work in you. So that the work that you're doing for him isn't exhausting, but it's a privilege. You need to pray, you need to respond, you need to surrender. 
Uh, so as I start praying, you can start responding. Lord, uh, we just thank you so much for your word. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the gospel, for the truth of the gospel, that it is the power onto salvation. Lord, I just have to believe that the reason that lives are being transformed here at City Light Church is because we are all about the gospel, that we are all about making your name great, the name that is above every name. Lord, we pray right now that hearts and lives all across this room would surrender, that we would just do business with you, Lord, that, that you are worthy of it, that as you work in us, Lord, that we would work out our salvation in such a way that the crooked and lost generation around us would see a supernatural light that is so bright that they would want it, Lord, that they would want your love, that they would want your joy, that they would want a relationship with you. And we'll just praise you for it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Why don't you guys stand and worship with us?